Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning top doc show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to Alliant Health Solutions for its support as a sponsor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Top Docs. I'm your host and MAG CEO, Donald Pomisano. Today's show is going to give you a unique glimpse into the crucial effort that's going on to care for COVID-19 patients by frontline physicians. Today's show is also a tribute to the physicians and allied healthcare professionals and other staff who are taking care of Georgians during this COVID-19 outbreak. It's my honor to introduce Dr. Zoe Budwala, who is a board-certified internist and hospitalist at the Houston Medical Center in Warner Robins. Thank you for everything you're doing, uh, Dr. Budwala, and uh, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, thank you. So what, what are some of the most common symptoms um, that you're seeing in COVID-19 patients right now? Uh, right now, most of, the, most of the patients are presenting with fever, cough, muscle aches, uh, kind of typical flu-like symptoms. Um, there is a, a few, uh, some patients will have some GI symptoms like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, not as, not as common, but the three most common are fever, cough, muscle aches, just a generalized fatigue kind of syndrome. And, and when you say fever, what, what kind of temperature are they coming in at? Uh, usually high, high grade fever. So above okay. 101, um, um, sometimes they'll start off at home with low grade, but it's, it's slowly building up to, to high grade fevers by the time they come see us in, in the hospital. And, and, and as you and I were just talking before we, we started the show, you've, you've just worked seven uh, nights straight. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. And so yeah. you'll have a few days before you now you're going to switch to days, right? Yes. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, good. So, so what are some of the biggest challenges um, you're facing when you're, when you're treating the, the, these COVID-19 patients? Uh, I would say the biggest challenge right now is not having any treatment. So uh, nothing, is, nothing is FDA approved. So we are really using, um, for our sickest patients, we're using the Plaquenil and the Zithromycin. Uh, is it helping? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say, um, um, you know, one of my uh, palm critical care friends basically said we're, at, we're kind of winging it because we don't have uh, any good medicine. So that's the, the, the most challenging aspect of, of fighting this. Uh, we, of course, we do the supportive care, getting, giving them uh, oxygen. If, if we see that there's a possible bacterial infection on top of the viral pneumonia, treating with antibiotics. Um, but it's it's really been like a moving target in terms of in terms of treatment. You know, um, things are coming out uh, every 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 day of of things ways you can manage this. Um, but you know, I have nothing that I can say that yes, this is proven to work, and that is that's challenging. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so can can you talk a little bit about your interaction with some of the family members of COVID nineteen patients? Who, who may be really sick or who even may pass on. That, yeah, and that's, that's actually been the hardest part about this is that um, I'm having conversations um, that I used to have maybe once every two to three weeks with family. I'm having it almost every day. 
Oh, wow. Sometimes more than once a day about end of life care. Um, and what makes it even more, more difficult is that these, um, because of the change in visitation policies at the hospitals, we're not allowing family members to come in. Um, so so doing, imagine trying to convey to a family member over the phone how sick yeah. your, your mom or dad is. It's, it's very difficult. You know, when, when the family member is there and they want to be there because that's your, your, th because the patient is critical, they're sick, uh, they're in the ICU, um, the, the, you're on the, when they see that patient on the ventilator or on multiple drips, it's easy for them to make their decision like, you know, look, mom or dad is, they're, they're, we, we see that they're not doing well. It's easy for them to make that decision, but with me on the phone explaining to them and they're not able to see, it makes it much more harder for them to make a decision to, to let mom or dad pass on. And these conversations are, are, are tough. You know, they're not easy to say, look, you know, we've done everything we can, but um, most likely your mom or dad is gonna pass away. Right. Over the phone. Um, my last night, I, I spent an hour, it was one in the morning and, and I was trying to, and I had, uh, a gentleman who was who was who was essentially he used COVID um, and uh, he was he was going to pass and I had to call the wife and he had they had four kids so I had to get all four kids on a on a conference call and, and oh wow in that situation and and um, you know and they and these patients are are passing with no family there's no right. family that's which is really um, uh, really, really tough to watch. It's really tough to watch. It's got to be, especially like you said. I mean, if 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 when when in in normal circumstances, when parents are there, you know, patients are there, and mm -hmm. they've got their family, and and somebody's in there with them, it's almost like these these patients are alone right. as they're passing on. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's also another thing that was um, uh, challenging in treating the patients because once they are admitted. They may not be intubated or or they may be just on a regular floor with some supplemental oxygen and getting treatment, but it's a very isolating and fearful experience when there's no right. family or friends. You know, you're you're alone. And then the doctors and nurses are coming in, they're full gowned up and they've got their Darth Vader mask on and, and you're kind right. of just like, wow, you know, they, you know, it's a, it's 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 a it's a very strange experience for them. And that affects that can affect their psyche, and that's the time when I need them to really have the mental fortitude to, I'm gonna deal with this and I'm gonna fight this. Um, right. So uh, when you're already in that, ex having that experience, it can really affect the psyche. Yes, so so how would you describe the stress level at the hospital right now? It's palpable. Um, it's, you know, everyone, everyone is, uh, initially I would say around mid-March when all this was really kind of becoming more known and and about COVID and and what it could do and we were seeing it up in New York and Washington. Um, uh, at that time, you know, there were so there was still a lot of unknown, which made it more stressful situation. Um, we didn't we were really using a lot of our PPE equipment and and people were uh, very uh, concerned about you know am I doing the right thing. In terms of do I am I am I am I protecting myself? And that adds right. more to, to, to the stress level. 
Um, I think as time has progressed and um, people have become more comfortable being uncomfortable, as we're seeing, because the volume has just been slowly rising, as we're seeing more and more of it, we've kind of become used to it. Um, right. Not to say that our trust is not minimized, but it, it's it's it, I've, I'm definitely operating on a higher stress level than, than I normally do. Right. Right. So, so how are you and your fellow physicians and allied staff folding up? Because I would imagine this is where resiliency and, 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 and where physicians are going to need resources coming out of this. Yeah. Uh, for, in, in, at Houston, we are really, I'm, I'm really proud to say that our, our, our team has really stepped up in terms of the medical staff. Um, the, we, uh, everyone is using, um, as le because this is so much, there's so much unknown. Everyone is leaning on each other. You know, the hospitalists are leaning on the, the, the specialists, like the pulmonologists, especially the pulmonologists and the infectious disease. And we're all working as a as a good team. Uh, there's a lot of face group, um, um, uh, excuse me, Facebook uh, groups that have set up all from doctors all over the country to to exchange ideas about treatment, about management, to uh, share war stories, if you will. Uh, kind of just decompress, and that is that helps us in, in in finding ways of of kind of dealing with this. And you know, the more you know, the more you can, the more tools you have to 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 fight this. So, do you have enough PPE and other supplies? Uh, we we are uh, initially we were really running. Um, uh, we were burning up quite a bit of PPE, um, but you know we're not immune from the challenges the whole country is facing. Yeah. Um, in terms of PPE, uh, we have um, um, we are uh, reusing the N95 mask, uh, but according to the CDC guidelines for for extended use and reusing those uh, those masks, um, and the Warner Robins community and the hospital has really stepped up. Um, we've sure. had local businesses donate uh, PPE equipment um, to the hospital. We even have a, a, a team in the hospital who's making gowns. For, for us uh, that we're using. So everyone, everyone, the community, the hospital, uh, even individual docs are, are will, you know, go out and buy uh, PPE equipment on their own just to, um, uh, to, to use at the hospital. And the second part is that we are also being more mindful of the way we use PPE in order to conserve okay. the PPE. So in the ICU, for example, we'll uh, you know, if, if the pulmonologists are, are kind of the primary with the hospitalist as backup, you know, it doesn't make sense for two to three doctors to go into the room, you know, at one time. So we try to, we tr really try to think wisely how we're using that PPE. If it's really necessary, will it, will right. it change uh, or help the patient? So it's a, it's a really a matter of using what you have wisely as well. Well, I know, I, I know you come from a very strong community there in, in Warner Robins. You know, we, we go yeah. down there, as you know, a couple times a year. And, you right. know, in you as a member of our, our House of Delegates, and we appreciate your sacrifice um, that, you, that you're giving right now, but also um, the work that you do with us at the Medical Association of Georgia. And you're right, it's a strong community. Um, there's always, um, um, everyone's there for each other. And, and I see that when I go to the meetings. So it's, it, it's, I'm glad to see that and, 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 and that support group. So, so what are some of the best ways ordinary citizens can protect themselves uh, from COVID-19? Uh, I would say the, the, probably one of the best things is practicing. And now we're not saying social distancing, it's more like physical distancing. 
mm -hmm. uh, still keep that social connection, you know, with people on the phone or or, or checking on on grandma or grandpa or grandma or grandpa, but uh, keeping you know physical distance. I think that's really the best thing to do. Um, if you see someone is sick or coughing, you know, yeah. step back. Um, and the, and also keeping very good hand hygiene. The, the most common way that this is transmitted is respiratory droplets. So whether and uh, whether you touch a surface or or a countertop and then touch your hand, uh, or excuse me, touch your face or your nose, your eyes or your mouth, that's the most common way this is transmitted. Right. So really, just you have to be mindful where your hands are. I know okay. it's hard because we always are touching our faces you know, 20, 30 times a day, but this is something you just have to kind of ingrain in your mind and, and just good hand hygiene. I mean, it's it's really kind of the, the going getting down to the fundamentals of just, um, but uh, I think those are the, really the most, con the best ways to protect yourself. Okay. And then what, why is sit, staying home and social distancing so important, um, including groups that aren't considered high risk? So right now, the high risk groups are your elderly, the ones with uh, underlying medical conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney disease. So if you if you are not if you are young and healthy, that does not exempt you from getting the disease, and you may even get severe disease. But what's even more important is that if you are an asymptomatic carrier, what we call a vector, you may go and un unintentionally give it to grandma and grandpa right. who, who who cannot or that uncle who may that 40 year uncle who may be fighting cancer and is on chemotherapy uh so these are the things that you, that are important as someone who is not considered a high risk but to protect themselves and to protect others okay okay so so why are older adults uh and people with chronic conditions right now they're at a higher risk correct that, that's right. That's right. The older uh, uh, or the elderly population, as we age, it's just a matter of that your immune system is not as robust to okay. fight off infections. Um, and it's in the same scenario with uh, people with underlying medical medical conditions like diabetes and uh, chronic kidney disease. The, the, their immunity is just not what it what it used to be there in their 20s and 30s. So it's it's just a matter of your, your body is not able to fight infection as, as strongly or as aggressively we would like it. Okay. And then how, how is the outbreak in Georgia compared to two other states such as um, New York and, and, and Washington State? Uh, luckily, luckily, in, uh, so New York uh, has been hit very hard as we see in the, it's a hot yeah. zone. In the news. Almost three, I think almost 300,000 confirmed cases in the tri-state area with about six, above 16,000 um, that's in Georgia. We've had um, about 60 above 60,000 confirmed, but almost only only around 600 have died so far, as according to the Department of Public Health website. Right. Uh, so we have not been hit as hard as 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 uh, New York, uh, and and actually it's very surprising to me being such an international city. New York had a lot of a lot of New York cases came from Europe. Um, and New York is such a, uh, uh, everyone travels to New York, you know? Right. Um, and with us having um, Hartsfield, the busiest airport right. in the world, 
I was I was actually surprised at the numbers that we have not been as high, which I, I'm 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 not complaining. Um, um, but we Georgia so far, you know, knock on wood, has not had had such a uh, tough time as New York, and hopefully it won't. Right. Now, Albany has been hit hard. Right. Albany has been a hot zone. Um, um, and uh, but I think from what I understand, the rest of the state it's 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 still been relatively manageable. Okay. So what is your biggest fear about COVID-19 going forward? Um, right now, my biggest fear is actually a second wave. Okay. Uh, if we look back in history at the 1918 influence, this, the Spanish flu, what was called the Spanish flu, it's the first wave was around April, which uh, is the month grand, and that was sort of mild cases. Um, but then the second wave hit around September. The, the following fall, and that was the deadliest. Okay. People were, 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 were dying within hours. And right now, I'm operating in the sense that right now for COVID, we don't have treatment, we don't have a vaccine, um, and that takes time. And, that's, and, and the fall is just a few months away. Yeah. Now, if we now, you know, it's, there's a hundred year gap in medicine. Science has advanced quite tremendously over those hundred years. So we, we are much better prepared. My biggest fear is, is that if there is a second wave. Will it be deadlier than what we're already dealing with? And will we have the capacity to, to deal with it? Right. Right. So so is there anything that you'd like to say to your fellow physicians and, and, and nurses and the rest of the staff at Houston? I I would. I would really take just take a few seconds to really thank uh, the ER nurses, the ICU team, the, the nurses, um, five Northwest, which is our COVID floor, um, and three main, and the respiratory therapist, the techs. These are the people who are who are having the most face time with these patients. Yeah. You guys are doing an outstanding job, and I'm I'm very uh, thankful for what you guys are doing and helping us treat these patients. And I also want to thank uh, the medical staff who's really uh, stepped up. Uh, Dr. Al Shroof, who's our chief of staff, has really um, uh, helped us as well as our CMO, Dr. Stewart, uh, in terms of really spearheading and, and getting us what we need uh, to, um, to to fight this. So um, uh, I also want to thank the ER docs. You know, they're also on the front lines as well, just like the hospitalists right. and, and, and the pulmonary a team uh, and our infectious disease specialists, they're also doing a phenomenal job uh, under these circumstances. I'm glad I'm glad this is recorded because this is the first and last time you'll ever see a hospitalist thank an ER doc. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, the other thing is, too, is that um, uh, uh, Warner Robbins is well represented because um, Dr. Manaj Shah, who uh -huh. is a you know former MAG president, you know, Dr. Right. Shah, yeah. is that um, he's one of our leaders in our Medi MAG Medical Reserve Corps. So right. Having him in there has been fantastic because as physicians are being deployed around the state, um, mm -hmm. obviously he's got connections. And so he's an active leadership. And so we're putting him to work every day. So Good. if you have not seen him around the hospital for any reason and you're wondered about him, um, mm -hmm. we have him on a call every day at noon on, on our, our status and, and what we need. So he's working just to let okay. you know. Okay. Good. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It's a good resource to have. <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so how can how can people get more information um, about COVID and, and, and some of the some of the uh, places that you're going to to get information? 
uh, I, I really like the CDC website. I use that as for my as uh, my primary uh, source of information, and that's easy to Google. Um, you know, um, just CDC and and COVID nineteen, and, and it comes right up. And I like another one called um, uh, it's the John Hopkins COVID nineteen Resource Center. Right. They have a nice map, and it and they uh, they update it every day, and it tells you uh, how many confirmed cases all globally. Um, so you can get, you, you kind of have a sense of where this is going and also tells you the amount of debt. So I, those are really my the two that I, I use almost every day to, to kind of get up to speed on any changes. Okay. And then, um, and obviously, I know um, you meant to say also the MAG website at uh, www.mag.org. Yes. yes, the MAG website, of course. I. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm still in night mode. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. So do you have any final thoughts for our audience? Uh, I would, I would, my, my biggest uh, thing for, it's a fearful time, but uh, once a wise man told me that uh, fear can, uh, uh, is like fire. It can, it can either cook your dinner or it could burn your house down. Right. So it, <laughs> So if you can, if, if we will get through this, uh, the American people are resilient, and the citizens of, citizens of Georgia are the toughest. Um, but if we, we just have to listen to our experts, listen to the, what the science is telling us, and uh, and if we abide by that, I think we have a very good chance of getting through this and being and and uh, and getting through the other side tougher and stronger and wiser. So. Well, good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this. My pleasure. Especially here in the front lines. I mean, you're there and you yeah. just came off a seven night shift and and going back next week on days. So hopefully that'll kind of get your, your, your sleeping patterns a little bit better. I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you no for problem. your time, uh, Dr. Bootwala. I really appreciate it sharing sure. your perspective and, 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 some, and, and some really important information. And, and our thanks from MAG and applause to all the heroic physicians and allied health professionals and all the staff, everything that they're doing, the sacrifice that you're making, the time you're taking away uh, from your own families, because um, you have to work and you got to take care of us. And hopefully people listen to the advice that you give about social distancing, washing their hands, because you'd rather see them in other circumstances than in the hospital. Absolutely. So hopefully people continue to follow that advice. Yeah, absolutely. So, so from everybody at MAG, thank you. Um, we look forward to talking to everybody at our next show. And again, Dr. Buwala, thank you for everything that you're doing. My pleasure, anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends. Remember to follow MAG on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget, you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash top docs. From everybody at MAG, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs.